Most of us has, if we grew up in liturgical uh, churches or Baptist churches, the, the emphasis on the ministry of the Holy Spirit is not emphasized. We emphasize God. We emphasize Jesus. But we do not emphasize the ministry of the Holy Spirit to be able to make us and teach us and grow us into what he is here to do. And so we ignore him because he is responsible for the growth of the, the believer. He's the one that is trying to give us this umption to become more like Christ. He's the one that wants to lift the words of God off the pages, which is our only physical um, part of God, which is the word that represents Christ. And his job is to lift these words off the Bible and put them into our hearts and start to let them transform us into what we should be. So he has a lot of work to do because he, once he got the believer to be converted into what Christ has came and done for the person. So it's very easy for us to get saved, be, have the Holy Spirit in us, but ignore him. And never try to grow, never try to learn, never try to allow him to do the work that he got, that he was sent here to do, and the work that he needs to for you to do in what God has saved you for. This is why so many people don't know why their what their purpose is. This is why most people don't know what their what the will is. This is why they always asking the question: Well, what am I supposed to be doing? What does God want me to do? Well, you God can't do it if you can see the reason why you got all these questions is because you won't learn and obey and listen to the one that is in you for you to do it. So we run around, what does God want me to do? I don't know what we're supposed to be doing. I don't know what God is up to. Well, yes, no wonder. Have you ever listened and have you ever asked and have you ever let the Holy Spirit guide you into what God has created you to do, what God wants you to do, and start to understand his will and purpose in your life. You don't have to reach all up here and just go, I don't know what God wants me to do. Well, no, it's in you. So it can come out of you. But as long as we're trying to use our feeble mind, and as long as we're trying to lose, use our carnality, and as long as we want to use our fleshly nature, then the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, cannot, well, it can, but it will not overcome your fleshly and carnal nature and your intellect because He wants you to start learning and trust Him. But the more books we read, the more intelligent we get, the more wonderful we become of ourselves, the less we're going to demonstrate of him. So this is why tonight we're going to be talking about, and I hope I can um, bring some light and some understanding of what the Holy Spirit, in, in, this is, trust me, 
We are, when I'm talking tonight, we are in infant stages of this. This is, and maybe I can enlighten it a little more, but if we can get to the elementary stage of him, we might be able to trust him to grow with him. So, the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Why is he here? What is he here to do? And not only why is he here and what is he here to do, then how does he function and work the believer into what he needs to be done? But until we can get the understanding that once we get saved, something happens to us, whether it's violently, whether it's subtle, whether it's you can feel it, but you didn't know what it was, whether it is I just never felt nothing, nothing ever happened, I just started believing. Whatever, it, however he came to you, the day you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then and immediately you were indwelled by the Holy Spirit and he came to live, rest, rule, and abide in you. And you didn't have no choice. If you accepted Christ faithfully, he came faithfully. And he's in you. He's, he's a part of you now. And now we're going to talk about the ministry of the Holy Spirit. So we're going to talk about, so we're going to start off with Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. Because Jesus said, I'm going to send another. And he's that another, that counselor. He's going to bring back the remembrance to the words of God. He's here. Jesus spoke highly of him. He's part of the Trinity. He is no less than the Father and the Son. He's equal to because he is the Spirit of God. And by being the Spirit of God, the Bible tells us he knows the in-depth things of God. So he's here to reveal what Jesus was talking about. Let me try it another way. Jesus talked about it. He's here to illuminate it. So what we see in the word that Jesus did and talked about, the Holy Spirit is here to help us do what Jesus did and illuminate it into this world. And we can't do it without him. Now we're going to try. <laughs> And the reason, now let me help you out. The reason we're going to try is we want him to help us just enough to try to do it, but we don't want him to have total control of it getting done. In other words, oh, you're only going to get part of me. You can't have all of me to do it because I need some of me back. Now, I love you want to be the, no, I can't empty myself for you. I got to hold on to some things so that I can be in control. And I don't want you to take me too far beyond what I want to go. <laughs> in other words, to put it quite simply, watch this one. I only want to be like Jesus to a certain point. Don't you take me all the way. 
<laughs> like, don't you put me on the cross. Don't tell me to get out the boat and walk on water. Don't put me through no storm. See, I don't, no, I don't want to be like Jesus all the way. <laughs> I don't want him to talk about me. I don't want to be sitting out there all by myself. No, that, you know, just make him like me. Just make me be acceptable. Don't, 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 don't test me too hard. I'm good. <laughs> so he has a very limited ministry with us because we don't want him to do ministry. But those of us that he can get to grow and acknowledge and start to walk and understand him and, and willing to allow him to, to push us and grow us and use us to what God wants us to be used, we start to develop a great love for Christ and God the Father because of the love that the Holy Spirit is generating through us. So we start to learn a whole different way of loving because he starts to teach us how to love God's way. He starts to teach us how to walk God's way. He starts to teach us how to think God's way. He starts to teach us how to speak God's way. So when we start to understand his ministry, then we start to, as we grow and overcome things, then we start to love and appreciate how great and what the great sacrifice that Christ made for us. And then when we start to really grow with him and our prayer lives become more vibrant and more real and more engaging and we feel the relationship with God, the more we start to let the Holy Spirit have his way and take us into this ecstasy, into this spiritualness, and into this greatness of who God is. And then we can bow down in our fleshly nature and practice humility because we realize the greatness of God by what God, the Holy Spirit, is doing through us. If we can get there. <laughs> but, <laughs> so then I, I'm not going to deal with yet all of the controversies of things. <laughs> well, thank you, but I'm dealing with the essence, the basics, the the, the, and when you can get that understanding, then you can start to get that trust. And you can start, because now you know you're dealing with God. So in other words, you got God the Father. Then when you open up the Word, you got God the Son, and you can see it. And you can see and feel and be invoked and, and, and praising God and be willing to do God's work because you feel the Word and the Spirit start to gain power. 
So let's get started. The ministry of the Holy Spirit. In Ephesians 13, one, I mean Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. I'm going to read it two different ways. It says, and you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth. So you heard the gospel preached, and you came down and got saved. You didn't even know why, but you came. The gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal. Circle that word. The promise, Holy Spirit. The promised, that's an E-D at the end. That means what you got was already promised. Who is a deposit guaranteeing. See, we love to put guarantees, but how many of y'all got guarantees? You know there's a difference between guarantees and warranties. <laughs> a warranty will run out. You see what I'm saying? So what they see when you buy a car, they say, I guarantee this warranty. They see, they don't have guaranteed by itself. See, the Bible says a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the, the redemption of those who are prom, or who are God's possession to praise his glory. Now, I'm going to read it from, which one is this? The New King James, right quick. This is good. In him, you also trusted. See, we don't want to use that word no more. <laughs> you like, you was included. <laughs> See, that makes you feel like you are more involved. See, when you say use trusted, oh, wait a minute, I didn't say I trusted. <laughs> After you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of your inheritance unto the redemption of the purchased possession to the glory, to the, to the praise of his glory. So, let's talk about this thing here. What is the Holy Spirit has already, has, is doing? You, you see, now notice the word. Did you, do you trust it? That you have received what was already promised on the day you got saved? Most of us and most people, if you ask them, do they believe they're saved, they will say yes. And the reason why they will say yes is because they heard the word, they got the gospel of salvation, and so God has promised them that they will be saved. So, if you're going to, if you know that you know where you're going, then you're secure in your life. 
but you're secure because of God's promise that you, the day you got saved, that he's going to seal you till the day of redemption. That's why we say you cannot be plucked out of the hands of God. God, once he seals you, has you there even if you don't want to be there. Because one thing that if we get pushed to shove in this, do you believe in Jesus Christ? And if you say yes and you know you are saved, then you know that promise is there. Now, most of us is satisfied with that. That's what we, that's our Christian walk right there. That's far as we going. We good. <laughs> that's all we care about. From then on, forget what came in me to lead me. Now, I'm glad I'm saved and I'm good to go. Now, I'm ready to go conquer the world on what I want to do. Now, Let's talk about this mark, this seal. It identifies some very important functions of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Now, this is some of his ministries and characteristics. We are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. And he is God's guarantee to us that we are his. If you don't have the Holy Spirit, there is, you see, you don't know if you're his. But knowing that you got the Holy, that you've been saved, you're able to say that you're his. Now, you probably don't want to live it, but you're going to say it. Because if you don't have him, you can't say it. So that's why it's dangerous to keep on, when people act the way they act and do what they want to do, and you ask them, do they believe in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior? And they say, yes. The reason why they can say yes, because that Holy Spirit that's in them has gave them that answer. Yes, you're sealed in his promise. So God, in his infamous wisdom, makes sure that the believer despite his conduct, despite his ways, despite his sin, is sealed in salvation. What is the personal significance of the, of the functions of the Holy Spirit? Here we go. One thing, a seal speaks of a finished transaction. Even today, when important legal documents are processed, they are stamped with an official seal to signify the completion of the transaction. So in other words, the first thing when we got saved is the Holy Spirit sealed us with God's permanent marker. And that's why folk that get saved wonder why they're going through so much because they don't realize and remember they God's. See, they got the mark. You know, y'all talk about 666 and all that, where y'all can see it. Well, yours is eternal. Yours is inward. You are sealed with the mark of God in your heart. 
It ain't visible. Like when we get Satan stuff, it's going to be visible. No, his is, is inside. His is inward. His is only can be identified by your actions, your conduct, and your words. And so you're sealed by this transaction that happened. You trust the gospel that you hear. You accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And at that moment, God seals you for all eternity. Notice you didn't seal yourself. Notice you didn't even know you were sealed. <laughs> That's why you keep acting the way you acted. Because you... <laughs> See, now, now watch this. Now, if God would have took a cross and planted it on our forehead and made an imprint on us and everybody could see it, then we know we see him. But he didn't do it that way. He put it in the inside of your heart where you don't even see it. But you see him. So, that's the first thing he does is he does the transactional work of removing you from eternal death into eternal life. That's what done happened. You tran the transaction is, Jesus bought me with a price. I had eternal death, and by believing in him, now I have eternal life. So I'm sealed in that transaction. He bought it. He purchased it, so the transaction is now done. It's almost like when you go to the store, you buy stuff, you do a transaction, but this is this type of transaction. You accepted Jesus, and here's what you did. When you accepted him, you made a transactional agreement with God that you were ready to move from death to life. And here's the thing about it. Here's the beauty of it. You didn't pay God. God paid you because he bought you with a price. So that gets us to the next thing. Since he bought you, it's just like in slavery. When the slave got bought by the slave owner, the slave didn't own himself. The slave owner owned him. So that's why the next thing is a seal implies ownership. God has put his seal on us because he has purchased us to be his own. In 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20, he has purchased us. And that's why we, we have to, when, when, you, when you buy a cow or animals, and today when you buy your dog, you take him to the vet, the vet put a chip in him to show ownership. Well, God, through the Holy Spirit, has shown ownership in us. And then through this ownership, then God 
has that right to do what he needs to do because God owns it. And this is what I'm finna say this, and I hope I get 50 million texts and comments from all the great leaders of the world. When he bought you and he owns you, you also have limited free will. You no longer have total free will. Now your free will is based on this, obey or not. That's all your free will is now. You don't have all these choices to do what you want to do. You either going to obey or you not. That's free will. That, that's how it got so limited. You, before, when you was in death, you thought you had all these choices and you had the freedom to do what you wanted to do. You even had the freedom to cut folk out, fight, do whatever you want to do. Now, when you start getting into the Word and the Holy Spirit starts to reign in you, now your whole con conduct changes. Now, you got two choices, obey or not obey. That's the limit of your free will. So the next thing the Holy Spirit does, and we don't believe this one, he, the, the seal means security and protection. The Roman seal on a tomb of Jesus carried this meaning in Matthew 26, in Matthew 27, 62 to, 62 to 66. So the believer belongs to God and is safe and protected because he is a part of the finished transaction according to John 14, 16 through 17. The Holy Spirit abides in the believer forever. Though it is possible for us to grieve the Spirit through disobedience, and those by, those by losing, now watch this, by grieving the Spirit by your no, you lose the blessings of his ministry. In Ephesians 4 and 3, 30. But he doesn't leave us. Did y'all get that? Did you, see, you sealed. Just because you run around disobeying him and grieving him don't mean he left you. That's why you can live like a hellion. But if we come down to the basic question, do you believe Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior? And you answer yes. Hey, that's all that really matters in salvation. But how much blessings did you lose? See the question? Yeah, oh yeah, you, you still his. He, he, he didn't leave you, but the blessings, he can't get you. Because you're not obedient to God, and he is God. And when you put him where he belongs, then I think you'll bow down a little more. But if you think he's just some ghost running around thinking, say, talking about like you think he's Casper or something, then you ain't going to listen to no Casper. 
But if you put him where he's supposed to be, God, oh, you're going to bow down just like you do the other two. And then when we get the right perspective of him, then we start to understand, and then we are more willing to listen and grow into the Holy Spirit's ministry. So finally, the seal is a mark of authentication or authenticity. Just as a signature on a letter attests to the genuineness of a document, so the presence of the Holy Spirit guarantees the believer is genuine. The presence of the Holy Spirit guarantees the believer is genuine. Now, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ is not his, Romans 8 and 9. See, that's why the Bible tells us to test the Spirit. Why? So that you can know if it's God's or not. And in many people... They can act like the devil, be fleshly, carnal, and live like the devil. But when you can get to start to address within them, their belief in the Holy Spirit makes them say things that makes that spirit genuine. Because he's in them. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right. Save. Yes. So the question is, even on their deathbed, they never tried to follow Jesus and they never tried to live for Jesus and they're on their deathbed and they come and I come in or somebody comes in and asks them, do they want to accept Christ as their Lord and Savior? And then they accept Christ. Now, here's the problem. We can't judge whether they did or not. But what we can say is at least it came out of their mouth that they believe. So if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, then you shall be saved. So I will always say if they said yes and they go on to be with Jesus, and usually that's the truth, God's going to try to save you to your last breath. Because he wishes no one to perish. But he does want them to grow, to, to come back to him because he created man to worship him and come back to him. So that's why even on their deathbeds, and you need the perfect examples, you got the thieves on the cross. That thief that accepted Jesus, which, what did Jesus say? Today 
you will be with me in paradise. So that is your physical, physical visible evidence that God is trying to save you even before you die with your last breath. The other one never did. And that's a biblical, godly example of the work of God and the work of and what he did to the thief on the cross that accepted him. It's the same thing he does on hospital beds, death beds, accidents, and you sitting on the ground laying there and he's trying to get you to accept him as your Lord and Savior. He's trying to save you right before the shark eats you and you're about to drown. He's trying to save you like before you end up being shark meat, right before that plane hit the ground and you got and you know that as you was descended, he's trying to save you before that last breath come out of your mouth. So it don't matter how you go, God is going to try to save you before you go. That's a mighty good God we serve. <laughs> it don't matter how you go. Do you got him before you go? That's the key. See, that's why we ain't gonna all know who who's up there. Because some folk at the last minute did the right thing. And some that we thought did it didn't do it. <laughs> and you gonna see some folk down there going, I thought they made it. And you gonna be like, God, I said that. <laughs> and the folk you knew weren't gonna make it might be up there going, woo. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> okay, it's not simply our lip profession, our religious activities, or our good works, but the witness of the Spirit that makes our profession authentic. See, that's why when I said those that you thought made it, don't make it, because they try to base it on all of this. Oh, yeah, I confessed him. Yes, I got religious activity, and I got good works. But then, notice what it says. The witness of the Spirit makes our profession Profession authentic. Many a folk can talk it, act like it, and do all the greatest works in the world. But deep down, they never, ever accepted him. And so they're not authentic because their Holy Spirit is not in them. It's harsh, but we can fake out the fakes. 
You know, I remember one time that I was talking to the preachers, and they used to say, well, if it looked like a duck, quack like a duck, it's a duck. Not today. It can look like a duck, quack like a duck, and be an elephant. Because <laughs> today, we can fool us. And that's why the church today you know, that's why Jesus even told us. And it's hard when you're pastoring a church when you got the wheat and the tares. See, Jesus says you don't throw them out. He will pluck them out. Because you can't tell the difference. But he knows the difference. That's why we're supposed to be testing the Spirit so that we can receive and understand if it's the Spirit. And see, these are the things why you need to trust the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is going to lead you into all truth. That's why when you're dealing with people, I have to use the discernment of the Spirit to say, is this real or is this fake? And this is why you don't understand why preachers and pastors and stuff do things that you don't understand. Like, you got a hellacious person in your church and stuff, and he's steady extending grace. It ain't that he want to. The Spirit is telling him to do it. He wants you to crucify him just like the rest of them. Shoot him. No, God says, give him mercy. <laughs> See? And we don't agree with God. <laughs> but why God extending that mercy and grace to them? To try to redeem them. The same God that redeemed your hellacious behind is the same God that's trying to redeem their hellacious behind. See what I'm saying? And, he, and, and so that's why we have to understand this work of the Holy Spirit, this ministry of the Holy Spirit, is, it's when you start to understand it, it starts to, it starts to permeate in your life and you start gaining divine understanding. Now let's read some wise words. No one has understood the gospel who has not grasped that Christianity is first Inward. Let me read it again. No one has understood the gospel who have not grasped that Christianity is first inward. Now here's the key to the next word. Watch this. And spiritual. That's where we done missed the boat. That's what we refuse to teach. When you get saved, it was inward, sealed, and spiritual. Not fleshly, not carnal, not intellect, not the way we want you to be. When he came, when you first got saved, it went inside and it became spiritual. And as long as we keep neglecting, the spirituality of who we are and were created to be because the thing that God wants is the spiritual nature of us. 
And if the last thing we work on is our spirituality, we are not going to be able to allow the ministry of the Holy Spirit to work. Because we want to focus on fleshly, intellect, carnality, selfish, pride, things, and try to make it be God. Then it says, watch this. Not only is it inward, it's spiritual. And secondly, a divine work of grace. A divine work of grace. That's a beautiful statement to understand. And this is what's so hard about today. The divine work of grace is what got us. And got, we don't want to extend it to others. <laughs> so if, if, if it's in me and it's spiritual and it's the divine work of grace, don't you think I need to start practicing instead of trying to murder people? Instead of trying to destroy people? Because if grace got me, then grace need to be extended to get others. Another saying by B.B. Warefield, Christians are primarily the purchase redemption of God. God has purchased them to himself by the precious blood of his son. But the price, the purchase is one thing. Now, woo, even to get deep. The purchase is one thing, and the delivering of the goods is another one. Now, what is he saying? Oh, you bought it. But did, now how do you deliver these goods? How many people then bought something but don't even know how to use it? Or how many people, now watch this one. How many people, buy, how many of you buy something and don't use it? God is saying, I bought you. I'm going to use you. You don't go buy nothing and don't use it. And then when he say, I bought you, I'm going to use you, you say, what? See, see what I'm saying? Wait a minute. If you, when you buy stuff, you use it. But when he bought you, you trying to tell him, oh, no, wait, whoa, whoa, I ain't a thing. No, but you were created by me. <laughs> there remains, accordingly, a day of redemption yet in the future. Day of redemption in the future unto which the purchased possession is to be bought. Meanwhile, because we are purchased and God is the possession, we are sealed to him and to the fulfillment of the redemption to take place on that day and the seal of the Holy Spirit. See, these are the things when you can get and understand what God has really done. And what you are to God, then you can start to understand and let go and let God start to do and work on you 
to get rid of that old you to bring forth the new you. What does John 3 say? That that is born of the flesh is the flesh. And that that is now born of the spirit is the spirit. And the reason why we really don't focus on the Holy Spirit, the reason why we really don't want to deal with the Holy Spirit is because we do not want to be spiritual. Yes. Yeah, they don't even talk about it. They'll even mention him. And then they wonder why we can't do it. <laughs> because we don't want to know him. But you can't be like Jesus without him. You can't do this without him. And if it's, you need him... Don't you think you need to get to know him? And see, if we become, oh, what word do I want to use? You can't have Trinitarian thought without understanding that you're dealing with a Trinitarian being. And also you have to come to this knowledge that this Trinitarian being is all in one. Which blows our mind. But this same Trinitarian being is the same being that created a Trinitarian person. And we function as one. Now, when you're born, you're born with body, soul, and human spirit. When you're born again, that human spirit is now the Holy Spirit, and he's transforming us into this spiritual being that we're going to become. So in other words, the original Adam don't look like the fallen Adam. Because when the original Adam fell, he realized he was naked. Now before then, he didn't even know he was naked. When Christ died and rose, he gave us a glimpse of our future. That's why absent in the body, present with the Lord, the spirit goes first. Then when he gets ready to go through the, the rapture, he's going to rapture up the, the, the living first. Then he's going to bring the dead corpuses' bodies and bring them up there to transform them. And it don't matter how many sharks ate you. He's going to put it together in his spiritual nature. Because it's not going to be the same thing that you putting in the ground. And so that's why when we start to understand 
the ministry of the Holy Spirit and what he is really up to and trying to do, we can start looking at this a lot different. It's more than just jumping over a few, speaking in tongues and saying hallelujah, then run back out and act like the devil. See, no, that is the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Yes. Yeah, it don't matter. Cremated, burnt up, ate by sharks. It don't. That body is not, it, when he says the dead is going to rise, so those that was in the ground, those bodies, because the spirit's already there, those are going to be risen, and they're going to be shaped and transformed into what God has originally created. Don't ask how, just believe. <laughs> it's, it, 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 watch this. This is how quick it is. You want to know how quick it is? He said, in the twinkling of an eye. That's how fast it's going to happen. See what I'm saying? <laughs> so, you figure it out. All I know is, in the twinkling of an eye, he's going to take all of the earthen vessel and he's going to transform it into his heavenly vessel and stick it back with his heavenly spirits. No, whether it's ashes to ashes, it don't matter how you... Now, there is, there is teachings that Christians shouldn't be cremated based on what we just said, that the, 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 the transformation that when the twinkling of an eye, that the body is going to be transformed back into its original state. So the belief is, since that it's going to be transformed, the Christian shouldn't be cremated. Well... If the Christian got blown up in war, if the Christian got on a ship and he ended up getting ate by fish, if the Christian ended up got ate by birds or animals and stuff, that body is still going to come back to that spirit and it's going to be transformed and it's going to be totally perfect. Because you're going to be in your resurrected body. Well, I'm just see, y'all trying to go deep. I ain't trying to go deep. I'm trying to get you saved. Or at least walk saved and think you saved. <laughs> because, and like I said, there's a lot of teachings that the Christians shouldn't be cremated. And I understand their thinking, if possible. But today, we cremating them like left and right. Why? We only cremating them for one thing, money. But the cremation, in my opinion, does not stop God's divine work when he puts us back in our resurrected bodies. Amen. Now, I done read and I can concur with those that don't believe that we should be cremated and stuff like that. But I also have to be realistic. Well, I don't, now I'm not going to tell you my view. I just don't, I understand the arguments. But that's just, you know, that's, that's between you and God. You, you know, because 
you know, most believers even put in their wills to cremate them so that the family could have the money. I mean, yeah, I understand the premises. Well, I, I, don't burn me. I got enough insurance, stick me on in the ground, let the worms eat me. <laughs> <laughs> and if the worms got in, I'm coming back to that funeral home and, and talk about they casket. <laughs> but, but see, now, see, when you start putting things into perspective, you can start thinking different. See, you start thinking different. Then the more you think different, and the more you can love different, and the more you can have grace differently, and the more you can extend mercy differently, and the more you can forgive differently, then you start to demonstrate Jesus. And that's the ministry of the Holy Spirit. But you've got to work on yourself spiritually in order to do it because you get some painful, destructive things that can happen to you in this life. And you got to be able to allow him to heal you and become an overcomer. And the only way that happens is when you become spiritually stronger with Christ and let the Holy Spirit do the work. That's why many people, and I believe this to the bottom of my heart, God wants to heal them, but they only want him to heal them so far because they want to hang on to whatever is causing them not to be healed. Because they believe if I hang on to it, then I won't let it happen or it won't happen again. And God is like, if you let it go, it won't happen again. Because you will be healed and you will be stronger, you will be wiser, and watch this, and you will hear my voice to guide you. Protection and security. God will start to strengthen, heal, and empower you to overcome. Now, let's get to some quick questions right quick. I want to hear what y'all got to say. Why is the Holy Spirit the focus of so much controversy today? I want to hear what you think, what you think. Even on Facebook, I want you to think about this. Why is the Holy Spirit so much of a controversy today? Now, watch this. And he hasn't been around. Well, actually, he's been around since the beginning, before the beginning of time, because he was with God the Father and Jesus before the creation of the earth. So he's not something new and he was all the way in the Old Testament doing stuff. So why is he such a controversy today? 
Now, I know how to answer some of that because a lot of, that's why a lot of places try not, don't want to deal with him because they can't control him. <laughs> see, they, see, the church don't want to deal with him because they can't control him. That's why he got this statement that says, if the Holy Spirit left the churches, the churches would still function 90% of the way they work. Because he ain't, see, see, that's because we really don't want to deal with him. So why is there so much controversy today? Now, I'm going to say this. Most of the controversy is part of this. We really don't deal with him. We want his gifts just manifested. So in other words, he's not in control. We want to control the gifts to be manifested. And if you got gifts you don't like, you're not going to use them. <laughs> and those that got gifts they just love so they can show out, they the first ones out there. <laughs> but the question is, is he in control of them or not? Yes. See, we don't know him, but we know we want to see, we don't want to know him. We want to we want to know what he do to make us be able to do what we want to do. We care less about knowing him. Just let me know what I what you can do. You see the difference? Well, yeah, a lot of people try to get along without. See, we don't want to know him. We those that those that want to be spiritual and those that want to be able to 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 exhibit him. They only want to know the gifts. They don't want to know him. They only want the benefits of him. They don't want to know him. And that's why we get so entangled with in the because we don't want to know him. See, when you know him and you know him through him, you know him, and through him, you know him. <laughs> exactly. Without him, you ain't got none of them. <laughs> but we don't focus on him. Now watch this. You don't, see, you don't focus on him, and he's the one that's here, because the other two are up there. But really, all of them is here, because they all in one. So, but the thing that we got to understand, that's why from Acts out, from Pentecost on, which you are in, from Pentecost on, started the last days. Not the new days. See, we think, oh, from Pentecost, it was upward. No, from Pentecost, it started going downward because you started into the last days. 
and we've been in the last days for well over 2,000 years. See, we think with Pentecost, we went like this. No. When Pentecost hit, we started going like this because we start declining into him coming back. That's why we don't focus only. That's why we're not trying to be because we don't want to hear about this coming back. <laughs> and we don't want to see this decline versus thinking. See, we think we're going upward when we are really declining because our morality, our actions, and our lack of acting like Christ cannot be upward. It has to be a decline because the apostles on the day of Pentecost start to act like Christ, which they walk with, and then he brought the word back to remembrance, and they start demonstrating what Christ has said. So they were the beginning, but if you keep looking, the church ain't going like this. The believer ain't going like this. We're going like this. Toward the last, we in the last days, toward his return. Why is he coming back? Because it declined. If everything was good, he wouldn't have to come back. <laughs> He's coming back because you are gradually declining. And his ministry of the Holy Spirit is to make sure you're sealed, make sure you know you get the promises there so when he gets ready to come back, you can come back with him and get ready for the new heaven and the new earth and the new you. And this, so that's why, as believers, when we start to understand his ministry, then I think we will start to understand purpose. Then when we can start understanding purpose, we can start understanding his will. And when you start understanding his will, then he can, the Holy Spirit can show you exactly what you were created to do. And he reveals your purpose and he reveals that purpose to do his will. That's why God had to send him. And so, that's why we are in the spiritual age. And you're spirits. Now you can think you Casper. No, you, you, you won't be floating around for a while. <laughs> yes. Yes. 
yeah, we don't know how to pray. He prays for us. Yes. And yes in the utterance. Yes. Right. This is why. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He prays for what you need, and he prays for what the Father knows what he wants to give you. He do. He don't pray like us. He's praying specifically for us, and then God is gonna bring what we need. But God says, have you ever asked him what he's praying for? See, when you start asking him, he can start revealing it. Then you ain't mad and in shock. Because <laughs> you see what's there. If you start asking him, and you know he's praying for your need, and when he reveals what that need is, you're not upset, mad, and then get the BMW. You got what you needed. Yes, he prays in a language only God knows, but he will reveal to us what he prayed for. If we want the relationship, he will warn us, he will guide us, he will lead us, he will show us. He is a perfect gentleman. And he treats you better than you treat yourself. So, I, don't want, you, I want you to ponder the, that question. Why is the Holy Spirit the focus of so much controversy and discussion today? And that's important. Because, see, why is he, see, the world is talking spirituality. The world is. And the church is talking spirituality. Now watch this. But the church is really not trying to talk about the Holy Spirit. It wants to talk about all its other spiritualities. Yes. <laughs> yes, he has power. Yes, he has power that we want, and he don't mind letting us see how we can get it because it's not our power. It's him going to use us to demonstrate that power. And the more we yield ourselves to him, the more powerful you become. So we are in a spiritual age of talk and questing, but are we questing and talking about the right spirit? That's why all the emails, you know, I'm going to tell you what, when you, you want to make me sick? I just get sick. And I hear it now in the church more than ever. Karma. And I go, where did this? 
See, we just gradually bring this stuff into the church. And we use the words and think they's holy. <laughs> Christians don't live by no karma. <laughs> I hate Earth to Christians, you do not live by karma. You live by the divine will and actions and steps and precepts of God. It is not karma. It is God and God alone. <laughs> and that word is just steady creeping into the church. When I hear believers talking about karma, I just look at them and go, now I know who you don't know. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> We don't live by no karma. <laughs> and if Satan can get you thinking karma, guess who you ain't focused on? Holy Spirit. <laughs> you done took your eyes off of God and waiting on karma. <laughs> and then if... You get a nut like me that say something about it. Well, Pastor, it's the same thing. Oh, no, it ain't. <laughs> that's what you believe. <laughs> so that's what I want you guys to really think about that. Why is it such discussion and why is it such confusion or controversy over the Holy Spirit? Because I remember when I married my, with my wife, and she, she was a good, get, get up, my, I love her. She was the best Baptist you can find. But when I got to talking about Holy Spirit, she was looking at me like I'm crazy. Because she thought the only time she saw the Holy Spirit was when somebody was flopping all over the pews and they was fanning them. <laughs> she, no, they got the Spirit. What you mean, got the Spirit? The Spirit been there. And then, this is what makes it so bad. Well, is the church spiritual if you show up? <laughs> well, I didn't feel the spirit. Well, well, yes, you. You didn't feel the spirit in you. Because, see, I'm, one of my ministers Sunday was well, a couple of Sundays. They was like, well, Pastor, I see what you be talking about. When I'm over here, I'm feeling the spirit, and they just looking at me like I'm crazy. I said, you keep doing the spirit. Quit looking at them. They didn't bring it today. Don't worry about them. <laughs> they don't want the spirit working today. They want all of the, they, oh, I just hear. Well, you just stay right there. <laughs> so the next question how important is the ministry of the Holy Spirit to the Christian life? Now, y'all, we can answer this one. <laughs> y'all using the wrong words. It's not very. Uh, that ain't even essential. It ain't a must. It what? It's life. Life, yeah, it, it's, in other words, it is the Christian life. 
The Holy Spirit is the Christian life, and you can't live it without him. It ain't no must, it ain't, see, it ain't optional. <laughs> Told you you start losing free will. See, to live the Christian life is not optional. You think you got options, but really you're in disobedience. Because if you really want to live the Christian life, the Holy Spirit is the Christian life. But if you think you got choices and optional and maybe, then you're only living what you want to live in the Christian life, which makes us buffet-type people. <laughs> Instead of doing like the fat boys, you need to get all you can eat. <laughs> See? <laughs> I'm being real. <laughs> well, wait, 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 wait. Yeah, okay, okay. Yeah, hold on. Y'all need the Bible. Oh, yeah, I'll, give, I'll give you the Bible. According to Jesus, I am the bread. And what you eat of me, you will never be hungry again. I just used the Bible. Hold on. That's spiritual. <laughs> All you can eat. <laughs> you are, when you get spiritually fed, you good. You can, you can eat it all. <laughs> Keep feeding me, Lord. <laughs> So that's the key to all of this. So these are the things, you see, how important is, see, when you can get this understanding, then you start to, to yearn more. And your yearning comes from inside of you where the Holy Spirit is to start to grow you, start to use you, start to, start to let you learn more so that you can be able to live the Christian life. It ain't a must, it ain't optional, and it babies, no, it ain't none of that. It is. And the only way you live that is, is let the Holy Spirit teach you, use you, and grow you into it. That is the Christian life. And his ministry is for us to live the Christian life, where we become the light of the world, where we become the salt that never loses its flavor, where we become the power and the anointing and the love of God that he uses us to redeem and talk and use and get a lost and dying world that won't karma. And when we can get focused on the Holy Spirit and understand his ministry and understand who you are, you are bought with a price. You are sealed in deliverance of Christ. Then your transformation 
of Romans 12, 2 starts to happen from the inside out. Your heart starts to change, and then you start to renew your mind. And they will, watch this. And I'll be looking at the Sharons and the Shines and the Deacon Tonys and the Tammies. And I just gradually start seeing the inward work of the Spirit started to come out of us. And the changes that you never dreamed could happen. <laughs> the things that you never thought you could do, start to do. <laughs> Lord, I didn't know how I made it through it, but I did. <laughs> Lord, thank you. I can't even believe I went through the fire. Oh, praise your holy name. Jesus, thank you for letting me walk on the water because it sure looked deep. <laughs> Lord, thank you that the mountain moved when I spoke. <laughs> thank you. Oh, see, you get, see, y'all feel it. Yeah, I feel you. See, the spirit starts to work. See? <laughs> but we're going to stop right there. <laughs> the next week, we're going to start on John 3, 1 through 8. But this is, I, you see, I wanted you to really focus of his ministry. He ain't here for nothing. And you didn't get saved and went to heaven the minute you got saved. All that happened is heaven came to you and now dwell on the inside of you on earth as it is in heaven. Heaven came inside of you to do, that's why you ain't there yet, to do the purpose and will of God through the ministry of the Holy Spirit that you live out the Christian life. Don't that sound exciting? Isn't that exciting? <laughs> but see, I'm going to tell you how to start quenching the Spirit. You try to own it. See, a lot of folk that so feel that the Spirit tries to own it. it they do it on command. I own it. <laughs> the Spirit that I know, <laughs> shoot, he make me do what I don't want to do. Spirit I know when I want to be depressed, he make me happy. The spirit I know when joy was supposed to be taken away, it just wells up. The spirit I know when life was supposed to look so bad, all of a sudden it looks so beautiful. That's the spirit I know. So, my brothers and sisters and those that's on Facebook, I pray so deeply that you 
allow the Spirit of God, called the Holy Spirit, to come not only into your life, and if you already sealed and bought with a price, and you already are owned by God, I pray that you start letting God manifest the Christian, since y'all don't like that word, start manifesting the life of Christ through you so that you can experience the divine, wonderful life that we live so that we can reach and show others that God is real and he's real in my soul. Amen. 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 Amen.